we start. So we read this week the second parasha, the second portion in the book of, uh, of Bamidbar, the book of Numbers. And that portion is called Naso. Naso means to raise up, raise up the head. This happens to be the, the longest portion in the Torah based on verses. It's 176 verses, which coincidentally, the longest psalm is Psalm 119, which is also 178 verses. And the long one seventy six. One seventy six. Sorry, and uh, and also the longest uh, Talmud, the longest uh, oh, book in the t- the is one hundred seventy six pages. Uh, which one? Which Gemara is that? It's uh, Baba. Uh, maybe one one of those. The, I forgot oh, which one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, being that it's the longest, we're going to start at the end. We're going to start with the Haftarah. So each week we read. <laughs> In addition to, so sometimes to try to understand what the portion is about, we have to remember, so how's the Haftarad work? There was a time when the, the Romans would not allow them to read the Torah, right. but they allowed them to read from the prophets, from the Nevi'im. So oh, they okay. were able to take a selection each week that related to the weekly portion. Oh, okay, cool. So from, from the Haftarah, you try to understand what was in their mind to select that portion oh. from the prophets that relates it to the weekly portion that we read. Exactly. So this week we read a Haftarah Nassau, and the Haftarah Nassau is interesting. It's, it's, it talks about the, uh, there was a certain man, and he was from Dan, and his wife, his name was Manoach, and his wife was barren, and even though the verses don't tell us her name, we know from the Gemara her name was Slalponit, and she couldn't have a child, and one day, she's out in the field. The question is, why is she out in the field? Where's her husband? And An angel. she's approached by someone she perceives to be a man. And this man tells her that uh, you're, uh, you, you, you are going to give birth. She, now, this woman has been unable to give birth, to, to get pregnant for her entire marriage. And there's stories in the Gemara about her being unable to, to conceive. And there was actually an argument between the husband and wife, whose fault. And in those days, they didn't have uh, MRI or tests or whatever to figure out whose fault. And they argue whose fault. The guy approaches her in the field, out of the blue, and tells her, excuse me, ma'am, I just want to let you know that you're pregnant, <laughs> and you, can't, you will give birth to a son, and your son will be the savior of the people, and you cannot drink wine, and you cannot have grapes. And when your child is born, you cannot give him wine or grapes or let him come close to uh, a, dead, a dead body to become Tamimet. Oh no, not him. He doesn't have Tamimet. Only the, the wine, and then we know about the cutting the hair. And you're, never, you're not going to cut his hair. So now what happens? She goes to her, the guy leaves, and uh, she goes to her husband. And the woman came, comes to her husband, and she says, A man of God appeared to me. And his appearance was, was like an angel. He was crazy, she says. Very awesome. I didn't ask him where he was from. I didn't ask him his name. But he said to me that I'm going to conceive and give birth to a son. She didn't tell him. He said already that I'm pregnant. Okay, she a little twisted it. And now he said, don't drink any wine. Do not eat anything prohibited. Don't eat anything you're not allowed to eat because I don't want this, boy, this baby to become impure. And the boy should be a nazir from the womb until the day of his death. 
So now imagine your wife comes to you and says, some guy came to me in the field, I can't get pregnant, he tells me I'm pregnant. What does Manoach do? doesn't trust her. He doesn't trust her. The question is why? Why doesn't he trust her? And he turns to, he pr- turns to pray. And he prays to Hashem, and it says, Be Adonai, please God, Isha Elohim this man of God which you sent, Yavu Na'od, Eleno, he should come back to us again. He should tell us what to do with the boy who's going to be born. What do you mean? He already told her. She knows what to do with the boy. Why do we need to have him come back? And God listened to the voice of Manoach. And the angel of God came again. To who? El Ha'isha. To the woman, not to him. And where was he? And she's again out in the field. Now my question is, why is her husband not out in the field? Isn't it the man's job to be out in the field and she should have been in the house? Back Where's he? No, he should have been out in the field. And Manoach, her husband, is not with her. So what does she do? She gets nervous. She rushes. And what does she do? She rushes back, uh, and she runs, and she tells her husband, and she says to him, Behold, this man came back, the one who came to me again before. So her husband gets up from wherever he was, maybe he was sleeping in the house, <laughs> but he, probably he was sleeping in the house, <laughs> and Manoach runs after his wife. He was learning. He was learning. Okay, maybe. I mean, if God listened to him so quick, maybe he was that good a guy. And he came to the man, and he says to him, now his wife already told him, this is the guy. He prays to God. The guy comes back. There's some guy standing in the field. And what does Manoach do? Instead of Manoach, he says, Are you the man that spoke to my wife? He really doesn't trust his wife, Okay. He says, I need, I am. What are we supposed to do with the kid? And the Malach says to Manoach, everything I told your wife, you should do. Whatever I told your wife, you also should do. You shouldn't drink wine. Okay? And you shouldn't have any, any products from the grapes. Everything that comes from the, from the grape of the vine, don't eat, don't drink. And any tum'ah, any tumah, any impurity, don't eat. Everything that I commanded her, you also do. So they ask why. It's because if the kid's going to grow up in the house, <laughs> then everyone might as well be doing the same thing so the kid doesn't get confused. But Yom Manoah, so the angel, so the Manoah says to the angel, he says to him, uh, you know, please stay with us and we're going to prepare a goat. We're going to have a meal together with you. And the angel says to Manoah, he says, uh, you know what? I'm not going to eat from your food, but if you want to make an offering la Hashem, or Ola la Hashem, an offering to God, bring one up. Ki lo yadam Manoach, because Manoach didn't realize that this guy was an angel. What's your name? He wants to know what his name is. Ki when your words come true, I want to respect you. I want to say, hey, this is the guy who gave us the blessing. This is the big rabbi. We'll send everyone your way. They'll give you donations. You'll make a lot of money. And you'll bless other people. What do you ask my name? It's a wonder, my name. 
Vayikach Manoah. So Manoah takes the, the gidi, he takes the goats, and the, and the mincha offering. Vayal, it's interesting, he brings a mincha offering. You're going to see later how it relates. Vayal al hasur, he places it on the stone to God. He rushes to do this. And as the flame went up from the altar to heaven, the angel jumps into the fire and goes up to heaven in the fire. And Manoach and his wife see this. They fall on their faces to the ground. And the Malach didn't appear further to Manoach and his wife. Uh, and now Manoach knew that this was an angel. And Manoah says to his wife, we're going to die because we saw God. We saw, we saw a heavenly being. And his wife says to him, if God wanted to kill us, he wouldn't be telling us we're going to have a baby. <laughs> so you see, who's the smart one in this relationship? <laughs> he keeps seeing up. And so she gives birth, she gives birth to a son. And they call his name Samson. And and the boy grows up, and God blesses him. says, The spirit of Hashem began to, to form in the, in the camp of Dan. So the question is, we, we read this, uh, this Haftarah. It says, what does this Haftarah have to do with this week's Perashah? So we're going to try to see how, how it relates. So we go to the Perashah. We go to chapter 5. Verse 11. Okay. Chapter 5, verse 11. Vaidaber Adonai Moshe, Daber of Israel, Yamat Ish Ish. A man, a man. The question is, what does it have to say, Ish Ish? A man, a man. It should say Ish. Ish ki Ish. So it says, so what's it talking about here? It's talking about here, it says Ish Ish. One Ish is the husband, one Ish is God. Because we say in Az Yashir, Hashem ish milchama. God is a man of war. So he's referring to God. So what's going to happen here is one against God and one against the husband. Something's going on. He says what's going to be. He says that, that, that there's a woman. And v'shachav ishotah uh, shechah. So he says that, uh, he, so he says now, so we're going to go into the laws of a, of a sotah. He says what's the laws of a sotah? We have here a sotah. What's a sotah? A sota is suspected of, suspected of adultery. Exactly. So why is she suspected of adultery? Because a guy can't just say, "Hey, I expect you. For, I, I suspect you for adultery." I take you to the kohen. He uncovers your hair. He rips open your blouse. He makes you drink. We write down God's name on a paper. We stick it in the water. We mix it with some dirt. We make you drink it. And if you are adulterous, your stomach's going to blow up. You're going to die. So, what? A guy can't just tell his wife, "I, I suspect you. I'm taking you." What has to happen? He has to, says the, the husband has to see the wife is hanging around with a certain guy. And the husband, in front of witnesses, tells his wife, listen, you know that guy, Joe? I don't want you secluding yourself with Joe. I don't want yourself hanging out alone with Joe. And what does the wife do? In front of witnesses, she goes into a room, locks the door with Joe, and says, nobody come in. Just like we have, you know, when, when people get married, you go into the room, they lock the door, you have witnesses to make sure no one went in the room and so they, they could be together. Now she goes in a room with the guy, locks the door in front of the witnesses and says, tough on my husband. 
Now what happens at that You're point? Tough on my husband. Tough on my husband. Tough. I don't care what he's... My husband told me he doesn't want me to hang out with Joe. Not only am I going to hang out with Joe, I'm going in the room and locking the door. What I do with Joe is my business. Now what happened? The marriage is over at that point. She basically said, I'm not interested. The marriage is over. So what am I going to do? Either the marriage is going to continue or the marriage is over. So what do we do? We go through the ceremony that she comes to the, the Kohen, the priest, and she has to go through the ceremony. Now, if she doesn't want to go through the ceremony, she could just divorce her husband, and it's over. She divorces her husband, she doesn't get her get, she doesn't get the prenup, but it's over. The marriage is over. But if she had sinned with this guy in the no, room... she doesn't get a get? If, she, if, he, if she's done... What? If she, I mean, she gets a get, meaning she doesn't get the monetary value of the get. Oh, okay. Okay? She loses, there is a prenup agreement right. that said if we get divorced, you get so $50,000. Now, because she's done this, she won't get and it. she's accused of doing this, and she doesn't want to go through the ceremony, she doesn't get the get. Fuck that. Now, the strange thing is, we had a system in the time of the temple that if you had a question... And you really had to ask God the question, what did you do? You went to the Kohen, you went to the priest, and he had on his chest the Urim Vitumim, and he had the letters, and the letters would light up in a certain way. And he would see the answer, right? So he, beep, 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 and God sends the message, a text message from heaven, right? That's really what it was. On the, on the, on the, so basically the, the high priest had the names of all the tribes, and the letters from each of the names of the tribes would light up, and he would have to interpret it. Now we know that there's also the Kohen has to be able to interpret it. We know that when Hannah, the mother of Samuel, is praying, Eli the Kohen says to God, what's going on? She looks like something's wrong. So the letters light up, Shin, Chaf, and Resh. So that means in Hebrew, it means drunk. So Eli accuses her of being drunk. And she tells Eli, I'm not drunk, you just read the letters wrong. It should have been Chaf, Shin, and Resh. You have to put them in the right order, which means Kasher. I'm kosher. I did exactly what I'm supposed to do. And he apologizes, and he blesses her, and a year later, she gives birth to Samuel. So the Kohen has to be able to read what's going on. But in any case, there's a system. The system is, if the husband wants to know, did my wife cheat? Go to the Kohen, ask the priest, did my wife cheat or not? Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Either it's going to be yes or no. That one's going to be easy to read. Why do we have this whole ceremony um, relating to this woman? Why do we have this ceremony? Hocus pocus. It seems like a lot of hocus pocus. And here's if she's guilty. It tells us that basically if she's guilty and she was a terrible person, then her stomach blew up and she died. If she was a wonderful person and she was guilty, she would die sometime during the year. Just out of natural causes, she would die. But if she was innocent, she would get pregnant and have a child. Because then her and her husband come back together. This is basically either you're going to make peace, and you're going to say she's innocent, or it's over. Now, the reality is, we don't know how many times this really happened. Because for this to happen, the girl really has to want to push it. And I don't know if anyone's going to want to push it to the point where they're thinking, you know, my stomach might blow up. Because you don't know, you know, whatever hocus pocus is going on in the temple. So I don't know if you're going to push your husband to the point where you're going to hang out with Joe. And then in front of witnesses, your husband's going to tell you, don't hang out with Joe. 
and then you go and you lock the door with Joe in front of witnesses to start the whole ordeal. If you want a divorce from your husband, just get a divorce. Don't go through this whole thing. So according to the Gemara, they tell a story about it happening, but we don't know if it happened more than once, twice, or a handful of times. We don't know. What, what now, after, after being Yehud, Yehud with, with uh, Joe, yeah. is, does she become a sur to her husband? She's a sur to uh, her okay. husband at okay. that point until, until the ceremony. Until yes. Once she's, she, she isolates herself against the husband's witnesses, against the husband's wishes, in front of witnesses, she's basically spitting in her husband's face, and she's telling him, I want nothing to do with you. And then you said that's what she did? That's what she did. So how, uh, how many times? Once. As she did it once. She locked the and door with, why, with... Why though? Why? Yeah. Either, maybe, she, maybe she did something with Joe. Uh-huh. Maybe she didn't do something with Joe. Okay. We don't know. The ceremony is going to tell us whether she's guilty or not. Oh, okay. No matter what, she's somewhat guilty. Okay. The interesting thing is, the rabbis say that a woman accused of being a sota, who's innocent, will get pregnant. So we know that there are certain cases where women who couldn't get pregnant well, can get pregnant. We'll, no, we'll, we'll go threatened, threatened God right. and said, if you don't give me a baby, I'm going to become a sota and I'm going to go through this ceremony and then I'm going to be innocent and you're going to be forced to give me a baby. So either give me a baby or we're going through the ceremony. So, that's again, the rabbis say, say that. So now, the, so the question is, what, what do we go through this whole thing? Now, right after this whole incident of the sota, we have, we have the Torah tells us about a nazir, a nazirite. What's a nazirite? A nazir, according to Mesechet Sota, is a person who wants to become a nazir. Why does he want to become a nazir? A nazir means he's going to be a very holy person. He's going to separate himself really by not drinking wine, not cutting his hair, and not becoming tamemet, meaning not coming near a dead body. So Those are the three things. So then they can grow their hair as long as they want? They grow their hair. So if a person who becomes a nazir forever, meaning without limit, he cuts his hair once a year. Oh, okay. Sam, uh, Samson was not a normal nazir. Why was he not a normal nazir? Because he dealt with dead bodies. He's not supposed to deal with dead bodies. And because he didn't cut his hair ever. While a normal Nazir forever would cut his hair once a year. That's what he would do. But now say someone takes on, I want to be a Nazir for 30 days, which I think is the minimum. He says, I want to be a Nazir for 30 days. Why would he become a Nazir? It says that anyone who saw this happen, this ceremony of the Sota, where you took this woman in front of everyone and you brought her to the to the basin and you filled the cup and you took God's name on a paper and you put it, the ink inside the cup and the dirt and she had to drink it and her hair is exposed and her, her shirt is torn open and she's going through this says you know what this is what happens when you drink so I'm gonna not drink I'm gonna become a Nazir so the person takes on a vow to be a Nazir a Nazir could be a man a Nazir could be a woman but a minimum of 30 days. Now, the problem today is you can't be a Nazir. Well, you can be. There actually are people who were Nazirs. Yeah, we, we knew in Yerushalayim there was a certain person who was a Nazir years ago. He was, uh, maybe when I was a kid, there was a certain man, he was a Nazir of Yerushalayim. Everyone knew who he was. Probably today there are guys. 
The problem is if you're going to be a Nazir today, a Nazarite today, you can't end it. Because in order to end it, you need to bring a sacrifice. No. So if you accept it, you are Forever. for life. We can't bring the Korban. So now it says when, when the... When the uh, so it says what, what happens so that the... the uh, this Nazir, he's very similar also to a high priest. Because even a priest, even a Kohen, is allowed to become Tamer for, seven, for certain relatives, seven relatives. But this, this, the Kohen Gadol, even for a parent, he can't become Tamimet. He can't come near the dead body. He doesn't go to even his parents' funeral because he's the high priest. He's as holy as he get. The Nazir also doesn't go to a parent, even a parent's funeral because he's as holy as a high priest. So this guy is very, very holy. At the end of his 30 days, or whatever time he, he does, it's very strange because at the end of the 30 days, now also, you say that he saw someone, he says, you know, I don't want to get drunk, but he's allowed to drink as much vodka as he wants. The only thing he can't drink is wine or grape products. So it's not saying that I'm going to, you know, go on a 12-step program and I'm never going to drink again, Right? It's saying not to drink wine. So the, the problem with the Gemara says he saw what happens when people drink and then he decided he's not going to drink. It's not exactly correct because he's allowed to drink, drink beer drink. as much as he wants. He's allowed to drink alcohol. scotch. He's allowed to drink. He's just not allowed to drink wine or a wine byproduct. I have a question. What is Please. the logic between um, not drinking at all, not drinking any you know, vodka, and not drinking just anything that comes from the grape. That's that, so that's the problem. Right. The problem is if we're going to assume that we're saying he's becoming a Nazir because he's, he doesn't want to drink, okay. then he should not be allowed to drink any liquor. Got it. There can't, it can't, the answer can't be that he's not going to drink because he doesn't want to drink. This, the, which is the problem is if we look at the Gemara, the Talmud, the Talmud tells us he saw what happens when people drink. What do you mean he saw what happens when people drink? If he's telling me he saw what happens when people drink, he should drink nothing. He should not be able to drink anything alcoholic, and it shouldn't matter if he drinks grape juice, right, or grape jelly. In this case, he can't have grape jelly, he can't have grape juice, he can't have wine, he can't have sambuco, which is whatever, made with, you know, any, any liquor that's made with wine. He can't have cognac, but he can have scotch, vodka, or beer. So it doesn't make sense. Cognac is a liquor made from uh, in wine caskets, you know. So he says, but he can't have that. So it's a little, it's a little strange. So now the Gemara continues. It says, when he finishes his nizirut, when he finishes the period of being a nazir, he brings various sacrifices, including a chatat, a sin offering. The question is, what's his sin? He he decides to become a nazir. He decides to become holy. He's as holy as a high priest. The period of that holiness ends, so he should just be able to go around about his life. Now you're going to tell me at the end of that period what happens? He has to bring a sin offering? Why? What sin did he commit? So the rabbi suggests, you know, maybe the sin is, is that I gave you wine to enjoy. Mm -hmm. I gave you a world to live in, and since you didn't enjoy the world I gave you to live in, you have to bring a sin offering. But still, it's a little strange. It doesn't make uh, perfect sense. So what's it like? It's like the guy becomes a high priest, 
And at the end of his high priesthood, he has to bring a, a, a sin offering when he really didn't commit a sin. So we have a problem trying to understand that. So he says, so now the, the other question is, now say I just make a vow. I make a vow to abstain from wine. And I say, I'm going to abstain from wine. I, I make a vow to abstain from wine for one year. At the end of my one year, do I have to bring a sin offering? No. But you just told me that because he abstained from something that's permitted, he would have to... Yeah, but he's not doing it to a saint. He's not doing it because he wants to abstain from the He wants to do it because he wants to do the Kedusha. So, so then why would... So if he wants to do it because he wants to be holy, then why should he ever have to bring a sin offering? That's the difficult thing to understand. A guy could say, I'm never going to have a hamburger. You know, I'm going to stop eating meat for the year. I'm going to stop eating meat for the year. What does that mean? Then I should be punished because I'm not enjoying what God gave me. But he doesn't have to bring a sin offering. Maybe it's because after it's over, he'll have it in mind that he won't do an Avera because, you know, he wants to keep that Kedusha. So maybe that's why he has to do it before it ends. So why does he have to bring a sin offering? Because he's going to now do a sin because he just no, maybe he spent his time being very holy now. No, it's going to give him his but then, then he, should bring, he shouldn't bring a sin offering, he should bring a, a thank you offering or something else that he accomplished what he accomplished, that he didn't fail. But a sin offering is hard to make sense of. So, this is also it says, we see in verse 13, it says that what happens? Uh, sorry, go back to the. Uh, you check you didn't do it near that here. So chapter six, verse thirteen. Go there. It says, This is the the law, the Torah, of the Nazarite when he finishes his days of being a Nazir. Yavi Oto, he should bring himself. It's a very very strange language. Yavi Oto. It usually should say he should go. Here it's saying, Yavi Oto, he should bring himself. What does that mean to bring oneself? Who is he bringing? Bring yourself? <laughs> very strange language. Very, very strange language. It says he's going to come to the bed, Hamitash, he's going to bring himself. And then he's going to give this sin offering. Okay, now let's jump to the next subject of the, of the, of the Torah. Wait, what, what's up with the Lashon? Why Don't worry, we'll okay, explain everything. <laughs> okay. So now the next subject is we know that many people go to a, to a, a big rabbi, a mikubal, to go get a blessing. What happens is sometimes you see in the Jewish community, you'll go, you'll see the signs all over town. A righteous man is coming. If you want a blessing, contact such and such. And sometimes you go to the guy, and he tells you, okay, how much are you going to give? The guy before. You see, the, you see his assistant, tells you how much you're going to donate, and your blessing is based on... Wow. The donation. It's a good business. I can tell you some good funny stories. Cool. Now, huh? You know some funny stories? Yeah, a lot of funny stories. Really? Wow. So it says, so it says, yeah, yeah. tell the one. Tell the one. Tell the one with the hotel? With the, yeah. <laughs> I had one crazy story. So there's a story. It, it happened in one of the hotels in Florida. They were having a Passover, uh, Passover, you know, uh, Passover, whatever, program, program Passover program. There were going to be 1,500 people coming to this hotel for Passover. 1,500 people. They rented the whole hotel for this Passover program. So you have, all of a sudden, there's people online. They're online checking in and checking day. You have all these people come the same day. It's a zoo in the lobby. 
everyone online and everyone telling the lady at the at the front, the receptionist, you know who I am? You know who I am? Everyone said, you know who I am? Yeah, all 1,500 people said, you know who I am? I want the best room. You know who I am? <laughs> so they're all online to get their rooms. And there's this big guy, and he's up front, and he's next to get online. And all of a sudden comes through this door, this guy with a long white beard and a big turban and a white, beautiful white silk coat with gold embroidery in the front. And he has two people behind him holding his robe and he's walking in. And he walks straight up to the front. And one of the guys behind says, excuse me, sir, this is the big rabbi XYZ. Do you mind if he goes to the front of the line? He says, are you nuts? There's a line. Let him get in the back. He goes, please, please. This is the great rabbi, the great Kabbalist, world-renowned. Please, please, please. He says, okay. He says, let me finish, and uh, I'll, I'll check in with him. So the, the, the Kabbalist says, ma'am, I need room 3636. Whatever number was, you know, just, he needs this number. And the lady goes, I'm so sorry, sir. It's a, that's our... Uh, presidential suite and it's actually already been reserved by this man over here who's online <laughs> right here who's letting you go so the assistant turns to this big man and he says to him excuse me sir do you mind giving the great rabbi your presidential suite and this man is going are you freaking out of your mind I don't know who this guy is from Adam I just let him get in front of me on the line I was in the middle of checking in and I let him go in front of me that's my room. I'm not giving my room. And all of a sudden, the guy starts to say, but you don't realize it's disrespectful. You're going to have a terrible year if you don't respect this great rabbi. He can give you such great blessings. You better respect him. And the, him and the, the guy start getting in a fight. And then the rabbi tells him, puts out his finger, and he tells him, stop. And all of a sudden, this guy says, who the heck are you to say anything to me? He winds up to hit the rabbi in the face, okay? He takes a full swing at the rabbi, and all of a sudden his hand, his fist, comes literally an inch in front of the rabbi, and it stops. And all of a sudden he says, I can't move my arm. What are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? I can't move my arm. Then the rabbi takes his finger, and he puts his finger on the guy's forehead, and all of a sudden you see the guy just crumble to the floor. And the rabbi's sitting on the guy, putting his finger, and the guy says, I can't move, I can't move a bone in my body. I'm wow. totally paralyzed. What are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? He says, a man should never, ever lift his hand. Never. You could say no politely, but never lift your hand. Please, 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 stop. Please, please, help me, help me, help me. He goes, will you be nice? He goes, I promise, I promise I'll be nice. He goes, I'm, gonna, I'm not only going to release you, I'm going to give you a blessing that you're going to have the best year of your life. Wow. And he says, da, 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 da. and all of a sudden the guy gets up. Now this is a lobby filled with a thousand people okay. all waiting to check in. Yeah. And they see this happen. They say, oh my God. Now this guy falls to his knees and he starts to kiss the rabbi's hand. He says, you know what, Rabbi, take my suite. Not only take my suite, I'll pay for you. I'll pay for you, please. I'll pay for your whole stay. Please, please, please forgive me. Whatever you need, just stay. I says, thank you very much. I bless you. I bless you. Now the whole hotel sees, and they're going to get online to this guy the whole week because he's going to give blessings. So everyone wants. This is a real guy. Did you see what he did? He stopped the guy with his finger. He made him fall to the floor, and then he lifted by removing. I, 
This is a miracle man. The whole hotel, the whole week, everyone's making appointments to come to the presidential suite to sit with this rabbi and give him a donation for a blessing. The week is over. The rabbi is going out of the hotel. And as he's going out of the hotel, he goes out to the hotel, he gets into the car, and who's in the back seat waiting for him? The big guy. That's his partner. He works with him. It was all set up. It was all set up from day one so that everyone would think that he's a miracle worker. So everyone would think that he could do all the things. And they cleaned up. That's the problem. You have guys that could fool people. Okay? It's easy to be a kind man and fool people. So you have people, but you have people also who give blessings and who are good and you should take a blessing from everybody. But the reality is if you want a blessing, what's the greatest blessing that you can get? The greatest blessing that we can get as a person, as a people, is a blessing that we can get every single day, which is called Birkat Kohanim, the blessing, the priestly blessing. The priestly blessing is, in this week's portion, it says, Yivarechecha Hashem Yishmerecha. God should watch, God should, should bless you and watch over you. And the whole rest of it, Yair Adonai Panav Elecha God should show us, he should shine his face upon you and he should he, he should be gracious to you so that's the blessing 15 words every morning we come to the synagogue the priests go up and they bless the people with this blessing and that blessing is the greatest blessing we can get because God says if you do this I will bless them so the question is are they blessing you and God is agreeing or is God blessing you through them but in some way, that's as strong a moment as you have to connect with God through the priestly blessing. And we use the priestly blessing when we bless our kids. We use it very, very often. We say it every single day. Yeah, we say it every day. Even, even uh, Christians use it. Yes, right. So it says, Hashem said, I'm going to bless you. So now, the Arizal would say, he would say, Rav Chaim Vital writes that the Arizal said that don't look at his face uh, certain times. One of the times was when it's in Birkat Kohanim. Because in Birkat Kohanim, he's looking at him in a certain way. He wants to make sure he, he doesn't look at him because he's receiving the blessing straight from God. So it says, so th- that's it. So we have these three. So th- if you look at the parashah, these three subjects are somewhat connected. The first subject we have is Sota, this woman who's who, uh, adultery. suspected of adultery. Then you have the, the part of the Nazir. And then you're closing to the end with this part of Birkat Kohanim. Those are the highlights of the Perasha. So the question is, how do all of those things connect? Now, almost always, we read this Perasha, Nassau, the week following Shavuot. Shavuot is the holiday that we celebrated last weekend. And this, the Shavuot, what do we celebrate? Matan Torah, receiving... The Torah. Says the Arizal, Yom Hashishi Vayichudu. The sixth day, and Hashem finished. What's the sixth day? Shesh Besivan. The day of Shavuot, the holiday of Shavuot, where we receive the Torah, is on the sixth of Nisan. So when the Torah tells us on the sixth day God finished, the sixth day is what it's all about. The sixth day relates to not only Friday, It relates to the holiday of Shavuot because the whole world wouldn't exist if we didn't get the Torah. So, what does that mean? The purpose of the whole world is in what? Is in the people receiving the Torah. 
Who's the first sota? The first suspected adulteress? We. Who was it? So you could say us at Har Sinai. Right. But go back, Chava, Eve, in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. What happened in the Garden of Eden with Chava? She secluded herself with who? Nachash. The Nachash, the snake. And the snake touched her, whatever that meant. And where, she was in the field when the snake came to her. And where was Adam? Sleeping. Sleeping. Now, Adam should have been in the field because God told Adam, you be in the field. Instead, she was in the field, but he wasn't in the field. Here we have Manoach. He's like Adam. Where was he? Sleeping. Sleeping. Home. Who knows where he was? He certainly wasn't out in the field where he should have been. His wife is Chava, and she sees a stranger, a holy man. Where does she see him? In the Sadeh, in the field. Says, tells her husband, a holy man came to me, tells me I'm going to get pregnant. Really told her, you are pregnant. What does Manoach say? Yeah, I know. I remember what happened last time. <laughs> last time you were in the field and the Nachash came, and then you had a baby, Cain. Whose baby was Cain? And we know that there's a part of Cain has the Zehuma, the the negativity of the snake because the snake touched her. He says, you think I'm, I'm stupid? How did you get pregnant? Like Chava? From me? The holy man came to you out of nowhere? You think I'm stupid? Fool me once when I was Adam? Okay, you fooled me. Fool me twice? No, 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 not this time. Uh, were these two Gilgulim? In be- some way, they, they're, they're in some way, it seems, some aspect of, of the story repeating itself. <coughs> the first lady is who? Chava She portrays her husband how? She gave him to eat and she gave him to drink And the rabbis say what did she give him? Grapes Wine it says she's the first sota it says man has to fix the sin of Adam it says how does he fix it? He has to fix the sin of Adam What was Adam's sin? A lack of self-control, we said. Because Adam jumps the gun to be with her, and he has a lack of self-control. So how does he fix what he did wrong? But Through it. exercising self-control. How? Avoid tum'ah, meaning don't go near a dead body. Because what was, what was the punishment after he sinned? Man was going to die. Tum'ah is introduced to the world because of the sin. So now he has to stay away from tum'ah. He has to fix it. He has to fix the sin of Adam. He has to avoid a haircut. And a haircut has to do with uh, the direct light, uh, something to do with Dean. And then the last thing he has to avoid wine. Why avoid wine? Why not all liquor? Because it was wine that Chava, that Eve, gave to Adam. It was grapes and wine. That's why we have the story with Noah. He comes out of the ark. He's trying to fix the sin of Adam. And what is the first thing he does? Plants a vineyard, drinks the wine, and he fails because he's not able to fix. So the Torah is talking about these things. What is the Torah telling us really? The job is to repair the damage that was done by Adam and Chava. Therefore, Yom Hashishi, Vayechulu HaShamayim V'Ha'aretz, God finishes the heaven and the earth. This Yom Hashishi 
is the sixth day of creation. What happened on the sixth day of creation? Adam and Chava sinned. They were created and they sinned. Now that the sixth day passed, meaning Shavuot, which is the sixth of Sivan, it almost always follows Shavuot, this parasha, because the first job is what? To fix what they messed up on the sixth day. The sota is the lady, she comes. So the sages had figured this out way back then, huh? Seems. Going wow. to do this, going to do that, how could it be? How could this woman do what she's, supposed, what she's doing? Her husband told her, don't talk to this guy, Joe. And she's just sticking it in his face to go in front of witnesses. If he told her, don't talk to Joe, right? And he, she knows he's suspecting him of talking to Joe. And she really wants to go out with Joe. What's she going to do? Joe, my husband's going to be on a business trip Tuesday. I'll meet you in the Bayside Motel, and nobody's going to know. Instead, what does she do? She goes in front of witnesses who warn her, don't go in the room with Joe. Says, tough on you, I'm going in the room with Joe. What is she doing this? To say, I don't care. I don't care. So really, the Sota is not innocent, really. No way. She's not innocent. But that's why I think it's so difficult for a case of Sota to even happen. It's so crazy for anyone to be that stupid. It's almost like saying to someone, you know, it's almost like, like, like suicide by cop, you know? I take the gun and I go, until he shoots me, right? I, I, I'm just literally doing something to throw myself under the bus. It doesn't make any sense. If she really wants to cheat, she's going to cheat. She's not. She's going to cheat in a sly manner, not in a way that witnesses there in front of her and tell her not. So this is what happens. She isolates herself. Why does she do this? Because she has a spark of Chava inside of her. She has a spark of Chava relating to the snake inside of her. Chava spoke to the snake and he touched her. Chava should never have spoken to the snake. She should have said, hey, leave me alone, get away. She shouldn't have entered the whole conversation with him. She should have just exit stage left. She didn't. The whole point of the Nazir is he sees the downfall of the world. The world's downfall is what? Lack of control. He has to fix it. How? By being like a Kohen Gadol. Because Adam initially was like a Kohen Gadol, like a high priest. He says, you're very holy. But when he finishes, he has to bring a chatat. He says, why does he have to bring a sin offering when he finishes? Not for his sin. It says, ish, ish. Who's ish, ish? Ah, the, the sin of Adam. The sin of Adam. Ah. And it says he has to yavi. Atzmo has to bring himself. What do you mean bring himself? He has to bring the himself that is Adam HaRishon. Adam. He has to bring Adam because what is he doing in this whole idea of being, being a Nazir? A He's trying to be a Tikkun. He's trying to fix the sin of Adam by exercising self-control. And at once he shows he's exercised self-control, he's not only going to do that, he's going to bring an offering because I've exercised self-control to show I'm better than Adam and I'm going to bring an offering to make up for Adam's sin. That's why he's bringing Chatat. Well, Shimshon really failed. Shimshon says, uh, the, the, the strange thing is very hard. I was talking to Victor a little bit today about Shimshon. It's very hard to understand his life, but he seems to have not succeeded because the, the rabbis say Shimshon could have been the Mashiach. He could have been the Mashiach. So he says, he says, he's bringing himself to be metaken for mankind. He says, this is what the, what, the Ari, what the Arizal says. He says, Yaakov Avinu, when he's blessing Dan, Dan, the ancestor of Samson, he's blessing him because he could see that, that, that he has the potential 
to be the Mashiach. And we see how powerful he was because even after he dies, the Pilishtim, the Philistines don't bother them for 20 years. They're still nervous from him. Even after he dies, Samson. That's how powerful he was in some way. It says that the angel comes to Slalponit. This comes to the wife of Manoach. She says, don't drink, don't eat, because this is what Chavad did. The Mashiach is going to come through you. The Messiah is going to come. The potential is from you. What are we going to do? We're going to start from scratch. But, but these were not the lineage of David. Well, no, this has nothing to do with David. This is done. This is separate. This is the potential could have been. An, an, alter, an alternate pathway. An alternate pathway. Because we see that Jacob said that, that, that he goes through the whole thing with Don. And also remember, Don is associated with what animal? The snake. It's very strange. All of this is very high. I don't 100%. So, so the Mashiach is going to come. We're going to start from scratch. It's nothing to do with Manoach. It has to do with Chava. We don't say her name. We don't talk about her. We don't even know her name in the Navi, Slalponit. Because who is she really? She's Chava. She's the Tikkun of Chava. Now God comes in His mercy. And what happens? And He says, He says, you can't have children. The lady doesn't behave. She can't have children. The argument was, who is, uh, whose fault? It says, she's Chava. She runs to her husband. This woman runs. She's really like Chava, like Eve. And what does she do? Just like after the snake came to Chava, what did she do? She ran to her husband. She runs to her husband. What does her husband say? I don't believe you. He says, is the son going to come from the snake? Is that, I'm going to have a son again from the snake? Then we have Birkat Why do we have Birkat after Nazir? Because we know that one of the punishments of Adam was what? By the sweat of your brow, you will eat food. Because man sinned, he has work. to work. What's the blessing of the, high, of the priests that they tell us? God should give you plenty of money. And he should make sure you don't lose it in the stock market. Basically, he should give you the money, but not only give it to you, you should make sure you keep it. He says, what is it? Man has to struggle to earn. How is the Kohen going to give a guy a, 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 tell him you should, you should be blessed with, with money? Which one is it? Struggle? Or God's going to give you a gift? The Kohen says bless, right? So the Arizal says, what does the curse come on man? The curse comes on man because his lack of restraint and self-control. How does the blessing come? The blessing comes by exercising restraint and self-control. Says the angels tell God. Says it's not fair. How do you bless these people when they don't deserve to be blessed? Didn't you say I only show favor to the one who deserves it? How can you bless someone who doesn't deserve to be blessed? If he doesn't deserve it, if I come to the synagogue and the priest gets up to bless me, I get the blessing. The angel says, why? He doesn't deserve it. How could you allow it? Says the Gemara. It says that we have a law. The law is, Ve'achalta, and you ate. Ve'savata, you were satisfied. Uberachta, and you blessed. We have the, the, one, the one blessing we're commanded from the Torah is grace after meals. This is what we call Birkat HaMazon. Is a long blessing. Once we eat, we thank God for the food He gave us. It says, 
when do we when do we make this blessing according to the Torah? Ve'achalta, ve'savata. What's ve'savata? You were satisfied. Meaning, I ate. I'm full. I'm happy. Thank you, God. But the rabbis made a rule that if I eat a quarter of a pita bread, a quarter of a pita bread, what do I have to do? I have to still thank God. What do you mean? I thought you only thank God when you're full. When you're full. And satisfied. And sa- right, satisfied, full. So if I ate a quarter of a pita, is that full? Why would I say it? If God said I only make the blessing when I'm full, how are you going to tell me that I should make the blessing when I ate a little piece of bread? Doesn't make sense. If God tells me I need to have a lulav, uh, uh, a palm on the on Sukkot, that's a minimum of thirty centimeters. The rabbi is going to tell me, no, it could be 10. What do you mean? God said 30. You can't make it less. I don't say this blessing unless I'm full. Where are you coming? So the rabbi says, no, 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 no. Says a person has to understand. And the rabbi there, he quotes the Zohar. He says that a person has to understand that when he's full, when he says, I'm satisfied with a small piece, what is he showing? Self-control. Restraint, and what is that? He's being metaken. He's fixing the sin of Adam Harishon. Wow. Says Adam didn't control himself. He didn't restrain himself. He didn't wait. Oh. He didn't do what he was supposed to. With the regard to his wife, he should have waited till Friday night. With regard to the fruit, he should have waited till Friday night. If he just waited six more hours, he would have accomplished what he needed to accomplish. But he lacked the self-control. Says we're supposed to be bizeata pecha. Parnasa only comes by the sweat of your brow. The so first you blessing. Feel, you feel that's self control. Right. So that, that, that means. I mean, being Shemerat Abrit should result in blessing. In, in, in Parnasa. In Parnasa. So the first blessing, Parnasa, is easy money, comes when? After the Nazir. Why after the Nazir? Because the Nazir is showing self control. I'm saying, I'm seeing what happens with a lack of self-control. And I'm going to say, I'm going to show self-control. Specifically, self-control where it relates to Adam in order to fix the sin of Adam. The consequence of the sin was, you have to work. The blessing is the reverse. So the rabbis say, Hashem answers the angels. When the angels say, why bless them when they don't deserve it? God says, but they do deserve it. The angels say, how? It says, because... When they eat a little piece of bread, they say they're satisfied. They show they have self-control. They show they can eat a little and walk away from the table. It's very interesting. The Ravad, one of the rabbis said that the most difficult fast is a fast when you taste. Meaning, if I swear off liquor, I'm never going to drink. Okay, I'm never going to drink. But give a guy a little, little shot and tell him that's all you could drink, you can't have any more. Once he tastes, he wants more. Give a guy food. Once he tastes the food, you know, like, what do they say? Lay's potato chips. You can't only have one, right? You eat one, you want more. So once you taste something, it's much more difficult to show self-control at that point. So the self-control someone has by eating a little and being satisfied is the self-control that makes up for the sin of Adam Harishon. This whole portion is really a new beginning because we just finished Shavuot. We received the Torah, the sixth. 
the day of Chava. So what are we trying to do? Adam and Adam and Chava sinned by what? Lack of control. Now we're receiving the Torah again. What do we have to do? We have to show that we have self-control. And if we show that we have self-control, then all the rewards that come from God can come to us. And I think it really also relates to the, the idea of the, of the golden calf. Because the golden calf really showed a lack of control. What was the lack of control? We couldn't, we, we couldn't wait just a few more. Their desire really, so the, the one point was they couldn't wait for Moses six more hours, right? So the same six hours relating to Adam, they were waiting for Moses, he didn't show up, we're doing this. But I think the main sin of the, of the golden calf wasn't the worshipping of, the main sin of the golden calf was, we say, that, they, that it says God only yells at Moses, get out. When, they, when it says they came lesachek, they came to, to, to play. Play means what? They wanted orgy. to have, orgy. yeah, they wanted to have an orgy. That's it. They didn't like the laws of self control. So, what was the sin of the golden calf? Saying, you know what, there's a yoke from heaven which says I have to have self control. Boom, I don't want to have it. So, again, how is the failure of the golden, why is the golden calf a repeat of the sin of Adam? Because the golden calf is the repeat of the sin of Adam. Why? Because it's both cases is, is lack of self-control. And the way to be metaken is seeing through this story of the, of the, the woman, of the uh, sota, this story of the nazir, and the result of being able to get a blessing even when we don't deserve, because we deserve it. Why? Because we do so show self-control and self-restraint. So the more someone could have self-control in their life, there has to be a direct proportion of self-control to blessing. Boom. That's what the 613 are all about self-control. Yeah. How do you say self-control in Hebrew? How do you say self-control? Yeah. I don't know how you say. Not 100% sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you show self-control. Okay? Okay, cool. Okay.